Hi, hello, and welcome back to a new episode of Tunes of Positivity Anniversary Special. <laughs> um, the date is the 22nd of November, and the time is 10.49 a.m. EST. We'll be continuing with um, this particular format, at least uh, till, I think, for one more week, because I think that should cover most of what I wanted to talk about anyway. So, without further ado, let's kick off celebrating one year of uh, two teaspoons of positivity by looking at what went right this week. Oh, what went right last week. Let's see. Winners of the James Tyson Awards were announced. Innovations that could save lives, prevent blindness, and boost plastics recycling have won the James Tyson Award in 2021, netting um, three investors £30,000 each to scale up their technologies. The annual competition seeks solutions to global problems and saw a record number of entries this year. That's nice. That's, that's good to hear. Scooping the, scooping the International Award was a glove-like device that enables people to monitor their eye pressure at home. High eye pressure can indicate glaucoma, which should be treated early to avoid blindness. Singaporean inventor Kelu Yu, um, I apologize if I butchered that name, created the testing kit after her father was diagnosed with the condition. Oh, that's so sad, but I'm so glad that her invention will now help so many people. Winning the Sustainability Award was Dutchman Jerry DeVos. He devised a handheld scanner that can tell what type of plastic is used in a product so it can be recycled correctly. Oh, that is that is a game changer. The medical award went to Joseph Bentley from England, whose device prevents blood loss from stab wounds into oh from stab wounds by inflating a silicone balloon inside victims. Hmm, that's that's very futuristic. I'm kind of happy to know that we have reached that stage of um, medical progress but yeah this is really nice i think the fact that these three were the best inventions and the number of entries this year broke the record that says that a lot more um, a lot of big things are like going to be um, happening i think either this year or the next year because I hope that everyone un understands that this is um, the James Tyson Awards and the, the competition as well. Um, it attracts a lot of investors. So the people who don't win the competition don't necessarily go empty-handed. Uh, don't necessarily no, don't do not necessarily go home empty-handed all the time. They are often um, consulted by uh, or picked up by com companies or. Um, they get into contract with a bunch of companies. So either way, um, this is this is really good, and I'm this kind of makes me excited to excited for twenty twenty two. Let's see what happens. Um, the EU drafted legislation to tackle deforestation. Products linked to deforestation could be barred from from entering the EU under a draft law published by the European Commission this week. It comes a fortnight after 100 nations agreed to halt forest loss by 2030 at COP26. 
the legislation would require companies selling certain products to trace their origin and show that they are not linked to deforestation. Beef, wood, soy, palm oil, coffee and cocoa are all covered under the, un, are all covered by the proposals but not rubber. Hmm. That's interesting. Why leave out rubber? Uh, we also have a statement here from Greenpeace campaigner Sini Eraha. I sincerely apologize if I butchered that name again. Uh, so they said that for the first time there is a glimmer of hope that the EU, one of the world's biggest markets, could curb its destructive impact in the world's forests. The European Parliament must tighten up the law so people can be sure that what's in their shopping basket isn't linked to the destruction of nature or human rights abuse. The draft law will be debated in 2022. 2022 is like two months away. So they could just say that the draft law will be debated in two months. Um, that is a good law. I think that's very important. And I think it's a lot more consumer friendly than um, most other laws out there at the moment. Because people are people want to know what ha what uh, what's the stuff that they are buying is made out of and where it's coming from. So it's a good step, and I hope that we get to see more so more of these progressive steps in the future. Right, uh, right to repair campaigners claimed victory over Apple. Oh my God, that is big. Let's see. People will soon be able to repair broken iPhones at home after Apple agreed to make manuals, tools and some parts publicly available. The move follows pressure from the right to repair movement, which campaigns for home repairs to be made easier to prolong the life of products. Apple will make screens, batteries and other parts available to the US and the EU in 2022, but only for the iPhone 12 and newer models. That sucks, um, but that's still a good step. Campaigners cautiously welcomed the move but said spares would need to be affordable. Yeah, that is that is a very good argument. Apple could just pull a fa try to pull a fast one on everyone by saying that, oh yeah, we're just offering it. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to offer spares. All you need is all we need is your first one. Like, oh my god. Anyway, um, I apologize for being negative. So. We have a statement here from Chloe Mikolajak of the Right to Repair Europe. I I highly doubt I pronounced that name right, so I apologize for that. So they said that this move represents a major reversal from Apple, who have spent untold millions lobbying against legislation which would require them to do this. Right to Repair legislation uh, currently covers washing machines, fridges and TVs uh, came into effect in the UK and the EU this year. Campaigners are petitioning for other items, including phones, to be included in the law. And that would be a game changer. That would really take us back to the first, um, to the, I think, the heydays of, of smartphones. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers this. Um, in the first, um, in the first uh, models created by the company Nokia, they were designed in such a way that if you were to drop them, it would somewhat automatically eject the battery so that um, the phone's internal um, the phone software or anything um, yeah anything that's uh, that could be damaged by like uh, blunt force trauma wouldn't be impacted 
so that's that's how much the company cared about um, ensuring that the customers have a good product experience and i think uh, for the most part nokia has uh, like adhered to this uh, this vision so i think this law is just going to motivate other companies to um, connect with nokia's vision and it'll just be easier uh, i think this is this might spell an end for flex culture as well so that's that's uh, that's a bonus anyway let's let's look at other stories the uk's largest urban rewilding project was approved it was one of the it was one of the engine rooms of the industrial revolution now the english city of derby is to become a pioneer again this time in the field of rewilding its council has approved plans to turn the city's 320-acre Alstree Park into a haven for wildlife. It will be the largest urban rewilding project in the UK. Council says the reimagined park will be a natural health service, residents providing them with opportunities to connect with nature. How exactly the park will be transformed depends on the outcome of public consultation. However, it will likely involve the creation of woodlands, wetlands and orchards. Species such as the water vole and harvest mice are also being mooted for reintroduction. Dr. Joe Smith, CEO of Derbyshire Wildlife Trust, issued a statement saying that this is a big moment for Derby, an opportunity for the city to lead the way on creating vital wild spaces within urban environments. It is more important than ever before with the climate and nature crisis. Firstly, yeah, it is. I, I like the fact that the UK has just um, really driven this initiative of rewilding. I I, I don't know um, if it's accurate to say this, but all this like progressive, so many progressive moves from the UK seems like um, like it's in the phase where it just uh, it's like it's the glow up after the bad breakup. <laughs> it is just a to say. I apologize for that. Okay, let's see. Oh, we have another news from the UK. HIV jabs were approved for use in Britain. People with HIV in Britain will no longer need to take pills every day to treat the virus after health. She's approved a revolutionary vaccine that can be administered every two months. In clinical trials, the, inje the injection was found to be as effective as the prep are currently prescribed to people with HIV. England and Wales this week joined Scotland in approving jab. That is interesting. Because if you only have to get it once every two months, then that means your cost, um, your medical bills will be, um, the cost of your medical bills will be reduced. And that's the first interesting thing. The second one that I like is the fact that Scotland approved it first, which just goes to show how it's such a predominantly liberal country being um, governed by a somewhat conservative UK government but I, I could be wrong about that but yeah good for good for this I think this is um, this is just another example of the glow up after the bad breakup because now they're making strides in like the fight against AIDS as well uh, in the fight against HIV as well so that's that's really good anyway let's let's keep moving uh, this is from Argentina. That's that is fascinating. A woman in Argentina has reportedly beaten the virus without drugs or treatment. 
Doctors believe the patient's immune system eradicated HIV on its own. There is only one other documented case of a person defeating the virus without medical intervention. Both discoveries are significant if scientists can repli replicate the process uh, replicate the process their bodies went through. Experts say it will lead to a cure for HIV. Oh my god. Dude, the cure for HIV is like right here. We're here. We did it. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't get too excited. But it's... Oh. We've been fighting it for so long. And finally there's like... There's some definitive proof. Oh, it's, it's, it's relieving. Um... I should provide some context. Um, it's just that um, I I did um, I read about HIV and how it how it affected people and how it spread throughout countries and crossed continents and turned into this um, pandemic and then became an epidemic and then um, kind of turned into something like COVID. Like it's never going away. We, we've just gotten better at living with it. So to know that there is a cure is, it's just, it's a light at the end of the tunnel when I didn't expect any. So, that's nice. Okay, let's, let's move on to the story before I break into tears. I'm so sorry. Okay. Young people are more optimistic than old people. Wow. <laughs> that is... Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to skip this story. No, I should I should do it. It's a baby story, though. Okay, so... Um, despite the mainstream media's portrayal of young people being a despairing lot who believe everything they see on Instagram, they are 50% more likely to be optimistic about the world than older generations, and 17% of them trust social media. And just 17% of them trust social media. That's according to a global study commissioned by the UN Children's Agency, UNICEF. It surveyed more than 21,000 people across two age cohorts, 15 to 24 and 40 years plus, in 21 countries. Young people were found to be twice as likely as adults to identify as global citizens. Compared to older generations, the world's young people remain hopeful, much more globally minded and determined to make the world a better place, said UNICEF executive Henrietta Faure. Today's young people have concerns for the future, but they but see themselves as part of the solution. That is very, very true. I didn't expect it um, to turn out this way. It's really nice. And I am glad that um, a lot more people think this way. That, that last line. We have concerns for the future, but we see ourselves as part of the solution. That's really nice. That, that makes me feel wholesome. <laughs> okay. And we have two other stories from previous weeks that I wanted to cover. So let's get to them. Major retailers committed to zero carbon shipping. Amazon, Ikea and Unilever were among the retailers that pledged this week to switch all of their ocean freight to zero carbon vessels by 2040. The announcement increases pressure on the shipping industry to decarbonize. There is an urgent need to do so. If the sector was a country, it would be the sixth biggest polluter above Germany. Stand Earth, a Canadian environmental group, welcomed the move but called for the deadline to be brought forward to 2030. This earlier goal would ensure the shipping industry does its fair share to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees Celsius. 
Green hydrogen is one promising zero emissions alternative to fossil fuels, but the technology is in its infancy. Battery-powered boats are at sea already in, Scan in Scandinavia, but are not suitable for long distances. Meanwhile, other companies are going back to the future by embracing wind-powered shipping. Okay, so this is this is an interesting um, aspect. That um, so the reason why um, we haven't been able to completely um, completely transition to um, renewable energy or wind energy or um, yeah, renewable um, by renewable I mean solar, solar and wind. The reason why we haven't been able to transition is not because it's expensive, because it's because we don't we get way too much energy from it. We don't know where to store it, which is just such a developed country problem. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I apologize for that. But yeah, it's it's such a good it's such a like uplifting uh, answer to hear that no it's not because it's too expensive it's just we don't know what to do with the energy that we produce it's just way too much <laughs> no one needs that much energy <laughs> and this is not something that i'm saying like this is not something that i've read somewhere this is the um, these this is evident from reports um, that have been published i think year after year if decade after decade if not year after year by different agencies trying to find out different things um, i think different bodies of the un have published uh, reports indicating the same thing that the principal issue is um, electricity storage and um, i think there were like there were some folks who wanted to prove that uh, renewable energy is a bad bad idea and they like funded research and then the research ended up proving that it's actually good but the storage but the storage is, is an issue and then they were then they were just dumbfounded. Anyway, I, I have rambled on enough. But yeah, this is really good. Zero carbon shipping. Um, it's a good idea. The fact that some companies are embracing wind power shipping is fantastic. Anyway, uh, the other story that I wanted to talk about was that Prince William revealed Earthshot Prize winners. So this was an award ceremony uh, with a difference. The red carpet was green and celebrities parading down it had to follow an unusual dress code, eco-friendly attire. The event in question was the Earthshot Prize, a new annual award that celebrates innovators with scalable solutions to environmental problems. It was hosted by Prince William at London's Alexandra Palace on Sunday night. Um, launched by the Prince and Sir David Attenborough, the prize awards the prize award is one million pounds to five finalists every year for 10 years making it the largest ever environmental prize yeah i, I like this one because of not just the prize money but because of the fact that they provide it for 10 years and someone with that um, someone with a great idea and solid funding can really just um, essentially change the world so anyway those are all the stories for this week and that has brought us to the end of our segment two teaspoons of positivity i would like to thank the one person listening to this i really really hope you enjoyed it and i'd like to thank you for staying with me for a whole year and listening to me talk about the good things that have happened 
and then sitting down and listening to me explain why it's a good thing and how it impacts you. So thank you so much for lending in here. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. But now I am going to tune out. Bye-bye.